I'm Phil Dobby, and we're talking working capital again on the Vantage Performance Podcast. Again? Why are we talking about it again? Well, it's because it's so important. And uh, Andrew Birch from Vantage Performance is with us again to talk about it. Now, this week, we're going to look at a few things you can do to bring cash in earlier uh, for your business. But but first of all, I mean, last time we spoke about how a company servicing the mining industry, who had a pretty good margin, uh, was facing the the problem that they had a lot of outgoings early on. So they had cash going uh, out of the business, and it would be a few months, perhaps, before they saw uh, that money coming back again. So they had cash flow issues. It was a profitable business, but because of that, they could have been heading for bankruptcy simply because they hadn't managed their working capital. So how do you work your way around a situation like that? Uh, thanks, Phil. I guess um, there are. Um, I have another example um, that I'd like to run you through, but I guess the, 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 the benefit that consultants can bring to these situations is that they operate in across a number of different industries. So sometimes mm. things are applicable in one industry, um, and haven't been tried in in, an, in a different industry um, may provide the answer. So, in the example that I would like to quickly talk about, we had a business that was you know effectively making widgets, um, and it was ordering those widgets from China. It was having to pay in advance for the widgets. It was then receiving you know boxes and boxes of widgets back into Australia, and then selling those to its customers and getting payments um, from its customers. On delivery, um, and we looked at the forecast for that business um, and put in some pretty modest sales increases. And within about three years, um, the business uh, was forecast to go broke because um, the payments to its Chinese suppliers were, which were in advance of payments from customers, um, were starving the business of cash. Yeah. So we said, well, you know, is that really necessary? Most people who go into a shop to buy um, something are prepared to pay for that item when they take it out of the store. And in fact, there might be other instances when people are prepared to pay for the item they buy uh, before they even take it out of the store. So like if you're buying a car, you might put a deposit on the car while it's shipped from Japan. And then when you collect the car, um, which could be two months later on a waiting list, you, you pay the balance of the purchase price. Yeah. So we said, well, you know, would that work in, in our case of a widget manufacturer? And, and we were able to um, issue or, or work out a way with our customers to, um, to require them to pay a deposit and interim payments that married up with the payments that we had to make to the Chinese widget manufacturer. Right. So, I mean, in that situation, even though if, if you were a company that perhaps wasn't going to go to the wall, it wasn't quite as serious as that, still not having that capital on hand is inhibiting your growth because you can't invest that money to, uh, to, to buy more stock so you can sell to more customers. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, you know, obviously businesses need working capital to grow and, um, if you can source that working capital by being more efficient internally, that's that should be plan A. If you um, can't source it internally by managing your working capital more effectively, then you, know, you need to look to external finance. But then, as we've said before, you need to 
apply for that external finance. It's it's harder to get and it costs you more money. So very simple solution here. It's all about when you invoice. So invoice uh, at the beginning of a project if you can. And I yep. guess in in most cases you're going you're going to you're going to find that you that you can because it, as you've said it's so common, so accepted in so many industries. I guess the other thing, and you know, I'm guilty of this as well, is interim invoices. I tend to invoice somebody when the job's done. I probably ought mm. to be putting stage payments in there. Yeah, I guess it depends on whether it's convenient to you and the amount of the invoice that um, man of the contract. But um, builders obviously invoice. Um, at least on stage payments, um, some builders that we worked with recently, uh, we said, you know, why do you do on stage payments? You're working all the time. Why don't you invoice monthly or better still fortnightly? Mm. Um, and that released about a million dollars of cash into their business, um, you know, over a um, six-week period. So I think it's really just about challenging the industry norms and seeing whether there are better ways to do things. So what about the idea of getting people to pay quicker by putting some sort of incentive uh, for early payment, for example? The trick with that is to make sure that um, the discount that you give is appropriate. Um, and I won't run into the calculation of that, but um, some people offer a an early payment discount and then fail to include that in their gross margin calculation. Mm. So um, early payment discounts can be um, can be expensive by comparison, say, to an overdraft at ten percent. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you're making twenty percent margin. I guess it's not exactly like this, but if you're making your twenty percent margin, then you're giving a ten percent discount away. You you're cutting yeah, exactly. heavily into your profits. Exactly right. So, um, so if you don't do that, I mean, I, I guess the the other risk you face, though, isn't it that um, you know you just say, well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a put a, a two week payment on my invoices. A lot of corporate yep. Australia is just gonna laugh at that. Well, they laugh at me anyway, and <laughs> and then they go, no, our standard payments are four weeks, which tends to mean you're lucky if you get paid in six. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you could you could. Um add a penalty on for late payment mm. or you could just say to people look our, our operating policy is that um, you know we don't start work unless we've been paid in advance and um, and so you know that then effectively you're in, in negative debtor days almost aren't you because you get paid before you start yeah well that's that's actually seems easier to me than the idea of putting a penalty on because uh charging and it, i guess it becomes a bit of power play doesn't it how big your are you and how big's your customer uh but if you're if you're a smaller player servicing a larger business uh, again they're going to laugh at you if you put a penalty it's okay for them to put a penalty payment on but if you start paying putting it on to them uh, I suspect they're just not going to pay it, are they? It depends who it is. I was talking to someone today who um, you know has that policy, and uh, and very occasionally they they have had pushback from customers, and in those instances they say, look, you know, I'm a small business, you're a large business, you can fund this far more easily than I can. So um, unfortunately, that I just have to, you know, those are my terms and conditions, and uh, you know, like it or lump it type of thing. But it's really about how you sell mm. that value add to the customer and if they understand your situation then um, 
you know, it's probably okay. It's probably not a large invoice in our cases, is it? <laughs> no, maybe not. No, not for you and I. But I mean, I guess also the point is you make that you know, um, you know, I'm not over, I'm not overcharging you for anything here. So my margins are slim, and mm. therefore these are things that are important to me. I guess you can you can put it like that. The other yeah. thing uh, is uh, making it easy to pay. I mean, sometimes you can, without realizing it, you're actually making it. You know, if, if you make it easier for someone to pay you, they will tend to pay you faster. Absolutely. So it's very easy to pay for something in a shop, isn't it? To whip out the credit yeah. card and, um, <laughs> and they've got it all worked out through their FPOS machine. Um, and yet, in business, some businesses don't take credit card payments. Um, or um, city councils who issue infringement notices for parking and so on, you know, they are happy to take payments twenty-four-seven over the phone, by internet, by check. Um, they really have um, worked out the payment plan to a fine art. Mm. And that's probably an area, you know, w one thing that we can learn from town councils. Yeah. And I guess also, I mean, making it easy to understand what they're paying for as well, because very often perhaps it's, um, you know, it might not always be the person who, who's contracted the work who is actually uh, responsible for signing off the invoice. So caref mm. careful wording on the invoice, I think, is important too, isn't it? It's fun fundamental. If you, if you ask someone um, to supply you with, you know, two widgets and then they send you an invoice for one widget, and it's at a different price, then it's going to get held up by someone who's wondering whether the, other, the widget has arrived or not, whether they've missed something. Uh, it's far easier if you can marry up your invoice directly to the purchase order request and, um, and, supp and supply them with what they asked for in the first place and charge them what they agreed to be charged for and send the invoice and everything, all the paperwork to the right place. Yeah. So statements are important for the same reason almost, isn't it? It's like Absolutely giving right. giving it all context. Yeah, it's a reminder time, you know. Um we sorry we we noticed that you haven't paid this invoice and and it's now um, overdue. Please pay. And follow it up with a phone call. There's nothing like a phone call to the accounts payable clerk at a company to get things moving. Yeah, and make sure the accounts payable clerk is on your Christmas card list. Uh, Absolutely. Or, or Christmas present list. I mean, probably the most important thing we've said today. Um, <laughs> so Timely, very timely. <laughs> uh, so, we, I mean, we've spoken a lot about, uh, about debt collection. I mean, just very briefly, I mean, there are obviously other strategies for uh, for short-term liquidity i mean we're, we're hot on the heels of christmas right now so it might be a bit late to try and do i mean we're we're talking very short term now but but generally uh if you're trying to get a bit of extra liquidity in your business and you need to do it fast uh aside from debt collection what else can you do uh, well you can look at the terms that your suppliers are asking to be paid on many of them are 30 days from end of month and some companies actually pay their pay some of their creditors before they're due mm. Um, because they just get into a, a routine of doing that. So uh, having a look at the payment cycles, um, making sure that when you input an, invo an accounts payable invoice to the system that you um, identify when that payment is due and then you know, making sure that you don't pay before that time. Yeah. Using your credit card to pay suppliers. Um, as long as you clear your credit card balance every month, um, then there's not normally too much of a cost for using your credit card. In some cases, there's a benefit in terms of frequent flyer points and the like. Um, but typically, that gives you uh, some extra credit. Uh, you can also look at uh, debtor financing and, and one-off invoice financing if you need a cash injection. 
I guess uh, you know equity or owners' loans is um, you know is obvious, and and probably those sources of cash have been tapped out. Um, but when we go into businesses, we quite often find that there are lazy assets or non-core assets that are being kept because they may have a value. But realistically, in those situations where um, companies are cash strapped. Uh, the sale of those non-core assets would probably provide um, more utility to the business than keeping the asset. Mm. And some, sometimes there may be assets which just aren't worth anything, but are incurring a cost in maintaining them as well. You might, I mean, maybe absolutely. I mean, don't sell them; just get rid of them. Just get shot of them. Well, you know, one one this was quite a few years ago, but I remember a knitwear manufacturer overseas that. Um, was keeping its production going because it wanted to keep its um, its its labour fully utilised, but it didn't have sales contracts for all the knitwear it was producing, and the knitwear st- it sounds stupid, doesn't it? But it, it really was <laughs> a knitwear mountain was developing in Europe. It was it? a knitwear mountain <laughs> to the point that they leased extra space to store this knitwear mountain, and then had to employ extra people to manage the knitwear mountain. So, you know, people do strange things in business. It sounds like it could be a, uh, a European commission scheme of some sort, doesn't it, really? Uh, to, to, to Buying up knitwear to uh, hold it off for a particularly cold winter so they could sell it off. Anyway, good to talk. Uh, some useful advice, as always. Have yourself a, a great holiday season, and, uh, and thanks for joining us today. You too, Phil. Thanks. Thanks.